Stop me if you've heard this one before. Comedy comes from truth. Okay, how about this? There's nothing more subjective than comedy. In the courts of medieval kings, jesters were often given leeway to joke about sensitive topics. Topics that for anyone else would be over the line. In today's world of social responsibility, we ask stand-up comedians exactly where that line should be drawn. And just as importantly, who should hold the pen? I'm Austin Toy. This is Laughing Matters. It's like, I think every comedian's had the experience where they think of something in the shower and they're like, oh my God, I'm glad no one else heard that. Slow down and think about it. If you want to be provocative about it, you better be damn fucking good at it. I wish there was that long prop cane that could just yank them off stage. No, it's, it's not going to hurt you. Hearing somebody else's opinion is not going to hurt you. It's okay. Like, if you're not being raw, they know. Say whatever the fuck you want to say, but understand that there's going to be consequences. White guys' voices are the default. White guys are the ones who matter. I feel like I'm using the word unfortunately a lot. That would be a miracle if you made a joke where nobody got offended and everybody laughed. saying it was offensive, then you have people on the other side saying it was history. And if you think about it, both of them are correct. It's offensive-ass history. <laughs> but you don't get rid of that shit. You gotta compromise, bro. If you're saying that the Confederate statues are controversial, you don't take them down. What you do is you put a statue of an equally as offensive black dude right beside him. <laughs> beside every statue of Robert E. Lee riding a horse. Put up a statue of O.J. Simpson holding a knife. <laughs> That's Knoxville comic Keith Marcel. I spoke with Keith about his comedy and the reactions he's seen from crowds here in Knoxville. I had a joke about police brutality. And somebody was like, hmm, I never thought about it like that. And that was it. I didn't give a fuck. I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't ask them if I changed their vote. <laughs> None of that. I was like, oh, okay. okay. My joke about the Confederate statue, I hate when people come up to me and talk about how brilliant it is and we should do it. I'm like, that's not a plan. <laughs> really? You think we could do that? And then people will come up to me and be like, oh, man, that's the most smart. I'm like, bitch, you think that's smart? That's dumb. <laughs> you That touched you? This shit is a joke. So now we just going to put up, now we going to just, if something's offensive, we just going to make the, we just going to make it offense, more offensive? That's not a way to run a society. Keith is originally from Virginia, near Richmond, where those Confederate statues used to stand. I'll let him describe it. The biggest person out of Caroline County, where I'm from, is fucking Secretary, which is a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't much comedy going on. It was a lot of horse breeding. <laughs> if I wanted to get into horse breeding, I could have did that, but it was hard to get into comedy. I asked Keith if he ever wrote a joke that he knew he could never tell on stage. I was writing a joke about how you need bullying in this world. <laughs> like, I was, <laughs> like, you do. Like, that's just natural, man. Like, that's how we communicate. Like, that's how you, as, as me, when I was a younger cousin to my older cousins, like, they knew I was cool. They picked with me. They laughed at me and shit. And they were like, oh, he can take it. He one of us. Now we'll smoke weed with him. But when I, when I would go on stage and I would say the word bullying, I could just, as soon, because it, it it's such an ugly word now, as soon as I said bullying, I could just feel everybody just dry up. Like I felt, like I felt it. I was like, ah, oh, 
Oh, that's a no-no word. <laughs> that is a no-no word. They don't mind when I say nigga, but don't say bullies. <laughs> like that shit, uh-uh. Not in today's day and age. But now I know it's just like, it's just how you approach things. I was just too aggressive. When you talk about um, controversial topics, I think you kind of like got to ease into it. I don't want to make an anal reference, but that's the only thing I can think of. It's like you got to, it, it, it is something like anal. <laughs> it makes people, un- controversial jokes make people uncomfortable. So you got to kind of ease into it. You can't just go ball to the wall. Some people might like that. Some people may have been broken in like that where they could just you could just throw anything at them. A dead baby rape joke. They don't give a fuck. But anybody else, you gotta kinda ease into it and you know, say, Hey, it's gonna be okay. I know it's your first time. You done you, you live in a vacuum. You don't hear controversial topics or opposing views all the time, so No, it's it's not gonna hurt you. Hearing somebody else's opinion is not gonna hurt you. It's okay. The debate over what is acceptable subject matter for stand-up comics was recently brought to the forefront again with the release of Dave Chappelle's 2021 Netflix special, The Closer. Many called for the special to be pulled from Netflix for what they felt were transphobic jokes. I asked Keith what he thought about the special and the reaction it received. Let let, let the people decide on this one. If the people aren't okay with it and he loses his fan base and maybe he wants to decide, hey, I need to stop doing this shit, then okay, cool. But it's not my right, it's not my position to, to say whether this person should say this or say that. Jokes come from, they had like court jesters and stuff right there. Like That's where stand-up comedy started. And like, King and the Queen, you know, they be having some royal fancy shit, whatever they do. You know, selling and trading people. <laughs> you know what they do, you know what the royals do. So, and then the, the comedian will come up or the jester will come up and kind of break all that stuff up. And you know, laugh, like entertainment or whatever, right? So if you think about it, the whole concept of stand-up comedy is to be inappropriate. These people, and it's being, they were trading people. They are talking about what village they was going to rape and pillage and shit, and here comes a comedian laughing. And, like, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to break things up. We're supposed to, like, the whole point of a joke is because it's inappropriate. It's like, oh, you shouldn't be saying that. Like, you should, any, any even if it's a knock-knock joke. I feel like if you, um don't agree with something that somebody's saying, just just don't watch it. That's how you make a stand to me, is just don't watch it. I don't why why do you care so much if somebody else watches it or not? How is how is okay, you not watching it. How is somebody else not watching it? How is that making it any better for you? Like why it, it seemed more like you're projecting something else rather than, you know, you actually want to get this person quote unquote canceled. Like, Joe Rogan said the N-word. I was like, oh, okay, well, damn, can't listen to Joe Rogan no more. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. I didn't say, man, I ain't call my boys up like, yeah, man, we can't fuck with Joe Rogan no more. <laughs> Especially, I know one of my boys, he would have called me a nigga, too, because he loves Joe Rogan. <laughs> so he wouldn't, he wouldn't stop listening. But, like, that's it. I just, make the decision for yourself. Like, don't make it for, like, everybody. Else. You know, but you can't. Silence somebody's viewpoint, and you can't even if you don't agree with it. Like I don't agree with a lot of people's views and stuff, but I'm not saying oh this person should not be able to say what they uh, believe in because I don't think people understand how this happens. When you start doing stuff like that, it creates a dangerous ripple effect. When I heard about all the trans stuff, I'm like, oh, he's doing it again. Didn't he do that his last special? Doesn't this guy have like can he get some like new material or whatever? 
That's Knoxville comic Allie Simpson. I've been doing comedy. It's kind of weird because COVID sort of interrupted it, but I started doing comedy in uh, late 2016. Uh, I moved uh, to Tennessee from uh, Maine, and so I started comedy in the New England area. Um, did that for a few years, and I've been living down here for about a year, and I'm getting involved in the the amateur comedy scene here. I asked Allie her take on the Dave Chappelle situation. I kind of, I'm kind of in the camp of like, hey, words, words and actions have consequences. It's more about, I like, I'm more of a fan of like consequence culture, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, you can get up there and say anything you want, but like, if people are mad about it, it's like, well, no one, no one held a gun to your head. You know, you, you wrote the thing, you went up there, you thought either I, you know, I'm good enough to do this. I'm, I'm right. I'm whatever it was, or, or just, you know, just ignorant of, of an issue or, or something like that. The more you are outside of maybe having certain experiences with a certain topic, the more you should, should like be thoughtful about it and be mindful about it and not just go blazing in like, you know, like, like, oh, I got this fresh new dick joke. Great. But like, this isn't a dick joke. This is like actual groups of people you're talking about now. So uh, yeah, so it's more like slow down buckaroo. (laughs) They could have even done with like, I don't know, a disclaimer or something of like, this this special has transphobic material in it, (laughs) like, and just keeping it on and, kind of like letting letting people watch it if they want to um because like the the problem with it is is that the people who don't mind that kind of material or are actively like yeah someone's speaking the truth about trans people or whatever um or who they just don't care and they just go haha trans people are funny um he made a joke um all those people are gonna watch Chappelle anyway they're gonna find a way it's like people find that stuff if you're, if you're the type of person to listen to Joe Rogan, you're going to find that you're going to listen to all that stuff. You're going to like it. Um, do I think that like, you know, we should just keep paying this guy millions of dollars to just like rehash his bullshit about, about trans people? Probably not. I asked Keith what he might say to a person from the trans community who wanted the special to be pulled. Man, I wouldn't say nothing to him because I ain't trying to get canceled. <laughs> I ain't saying a motherfucking thing. Look, I, I'm sorry for saying motherfucker. I don't know if this is going to be PG-13 or what. But listen, I'm not saying nothing because I want to have a career. I don't have a career. I don't have Dave Chappelle money where I can lose money. I have Keith Marcel money where I need to get more money. Maybe it's just like that's who I am as a comedian. I hesitate to outright want to ban anything. Um calling it out great you know it happens at mics a lot if someone says something stupid a lot of times the next comic i love doing that i love i love shitting all over the previous comic if they say something um you know uh but there's there's comics i have worked with in the past you know this is much smaller scale than like Chappelle kind of stuff but you know i knew this kid he was like 19 when he started stand-up comedy and uh he should not have been at the bar first of all <laughs> but uh uh he he's you know just working stuff out and he had this joke that was just like he was in that phase of like i'm just gonna say like mean offensive stuff and it was like it wasn't quite a rape joke but it was all on those lines 
And there was someone, I mean, probably multiple people in the audience, uh, you know, would experience sexual assault. She called him out. She was like, this is terrible. You're terrible. And then there was a couple of barflies being like, no, he's great. Shut up. And, and I, then I was yelling at the barflies, you shut up. <laughs> but like, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, she stormed out. Um, and then she also proceeded to try to get him canceled on all of the local shows. She went around to every, she found every booker she could find being like, this guy's like a rape apologist, this and that, you know, and it worked on a couple shows. Mostly he was fine. Um, but he also learned a lot from that experience. He grew a lot as a comic. He, he was genuinely sorry. <laughs> he was like, holy shit, I didn't actually realize the implications of this joke. Um, and uh, yeah, I know he's like, yeah, this was several years ago. Great comic now, no longer canceled, but it took a couple years. <laughs> um, and uh, not something he ever repeated. And I think if we could replicate that on a larger scale, you know, um, just, you know, have the discussions we're having about Dave Chappelle. And, and uh, you know, I've seen people write like open letters to him and things like that. Um, I don't know if it necessarily changes minds or makes people actually grow at all. But ideally, that's kind of how it would go. I mean, you have to allow the person to make the joke because sometimes Think if you never made an attempt, like, in a, like uh, even a bad joke is an attempt at a good joke. So you got to allow that person to make these bad jokes because if he doesn't make the bad jokes, he may never get to the good jokes. If I didn't do those shows where I just bombed my ass off, I would have never did shows where I did good. Like, it, like I think about, like, like, the most growth happens to me is when I fuck up. And it's like, society, we got to allow these uh, fucked up things to happen sometimes and then grow from it i think i think comedy uh does have a role in society and it does play a kind of a big part in sort of kind of helping people shape their beliefs or their perspective on the world um you know that being said like you know comics are also just you know clowns or a bunch of degenerates <laughs> myself included you shouldn't necessarily be like holding up this person's joke as like um why you should believe something about about anything um because a lot of times they are just jokes um they might be pointing in a certain direction um and uh or just going for a laugh um but you know a comedian is they're, they're not a philosopher as much as they sometimes like to think they are you know i guess i've, I've done comedy in enough places to it's basically the same kind of types of people like me included doing comedy in a way um so you know you could definitely get like the to use an older term like the open mic edgelords you know who will just i'm gonna say something racist uh-oh or whatever it's not super common uh i haven't seen too much of that here but you get the occasional sort of like i'm just gonna say something kind of offensive and dickish for the hell of it and you guys are the problem if you don't laugh um but like in, in terms of me I've definitely like walked audiences before <laughs> um and uh like I think the show that you might have been at I, I'm wondering if it's why you had me on like I have this abortion joke um that does drastically different depending on where I'm doing it and who my audience is um I, that's one it's one of my older jokes it's evergreen because people are always trying to smash women's rights um so uh so I've kind of got to see a full 
full spectrum of reactions. And so if you ask another person, they would probably say that, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's like saying this terrible offensive shit. I'll now play the joke that Ali is talking about. Please excuse the obnoxiously loud laughter that may or may not have been me. Women's reproductive rights are under attack again. Um, that's happening. And I think the solution this time around, you guys, might just be to, like, assassinate part of the Supreme Court. <laughs> that, at first, I didn't think anyone was going to clap, and I was going to be like, oh, shit, is this being recorded? <laughs> but no. All right, no. People who clapped, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> that's a treasonous idea. But an idea's life begins at conception. <laughs> I think any sort of joke that one could, could deem like offensive, it kind of gives a cathartic response, um, regardless of the kind of joke it is. You know, like with that joke, I feel that there's, you know, a lot of a lot of women and people concerned about that issue. There's always something in the news of like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take away your rights again, that kind of thing. And everyone, you know, is not not feeling great about it. So when you can have a comedian get up there and, you know, uh, basically kind of go off on that topic uh, and everyone gets a laugh. It's like, it's a little bit of a, a relief. There's a little trick to it um, that I've noticed. It's kind of hard to pull off. Um, part of it is kind of knowing your audience. I used to have a joke I had to tell in Maine um, about guns and Maine, Maine actually has extremely liberal gun laws. Everyone, everyone gets a gun. Um, and uh, so they're, it's pretty open about that, but there's also a lot of like people who are very against like pretty much gun ownership of every, any kind, but overall it's a rural state where people are like, don't take my guns. Um, so I had a joke like that, that was like, oh, this person's going on an anti-gun rant, but it kind of just kind of turns around as to like, no, I think they're actually pretty cool, but like, here's the group of people I'm targeting that we can all laugh at. It's sort of like, kind of doing like a, a little bit of a switcheroo and going somewhere where like they expect you to go on a, say, tirade against gun ownership, but then you kind of like swing them back. It's that it's a, it's the misdirect. It's like you can you can pull it off with some misdirection, um, but yeah, tough. It's tough. And, and does any, do any minds get changed? I'm not sure. People don't want things that they explicitly think are political. Um, and, and, but, but, but I do think, you know, like I'll give an example, like Jim Gaffigan, he's one of the most like popular comics like ever. And it's nothing is it, it's all hot pockets and going to the gym and, you know, it's clean comedy. People love that guy. And he's, I think he's a great comic. He's awesome. But then there's, um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? He's popular. My my extended uh, family loves this guy. He's the guy with all the puppets. Um, oh, that, Jeff Dunham? Jeff Dunham. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Dunham. And he would be, I think a lot of, like, my family would consider him not a political comedian, but he has fucking Ahmed the terrorist, <laughs> like, and all this shit. Like, uh, and... Uh, so the people like the people who view that comedy and like that comedy don't see it as political comedy somehow. Um, and it's a very weird thing with like left, like anytime you're making a left leaning point, it seems like, Oh, it's, it's political comedy. I don't like that. But if you're like going off about Ahmed the terrorist, people are just like, Oh, how, what a wholesome fun show for the whole family. <laughs>
honestly one of my favorite shows I've ever done. At the time, I was doing a whole bunch of jokes about like depression and growing up black with depression and stuff like that. And um, I did a show, and the headliner, he was this real conservative dude. So I was the feature track. So I go on stage, I'm talking about depression, <laughs> your feelings and shit. And then this conservative dude comes on stage, the headliner, and just talks shit about how people who depressed the pussies. <laughs> Bunch of bitches. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But, bruh, he was so funny that I think that's what, to me, made the whole night that much better. Like, because it was like, I went up on stage, I talked about, I was funny, and I talked about depression, you know, suicide attempts and all this shit, whatever, and people laughed at it. And then, like, so he goes on stage, he had the exact opposite view. He was still funny as shit, so, like, I think it made people laugh harder, because, like, damn, we just saw both sides of the spectrum tonight. And we and we both killed it. Like it wasn't like like. And I had one person walk up to me like, you know, you feel kind of bad because you was up there talking about depression and suicide, and he went up there and talked about, you know, y'all are some bitches and some hoes, and you just need to stop crying. And I'm like, no, nah, that was like to me, that was like that's what made it funnier to me. Was like my views are, are completely opposite of him, but he is killing this shit. I asked Keith if he had ever been so offended by a joke that he felt the comic who told it should be deplatformed. Only if it wasn't funny. <laughs> That's it. I've heard some real bad jokes. I'd be like, man, we need to cancel this motherfucker. <laughs> it all depends. You do have people who can do it successfully, but then you do have some people who just do it for shock value. And it just, you know, determines whether that person is good at it or just is just like cringeworthy. But people always try to push the envelope. It's done so often now, too, that audiences can almost get exhausted by it. Like, when you hear certain topics come up, you're like, uh, even me, it's like, oh, like, and it was just like, oh, we're about to hear a Trump joke. And I'm not even saying the Trump joke wasn't good. It's just, it could have been the greatest Trump joke. It's just like, oh, we're about to hear it. It's about to happen, <laughs> and we can't stop it. We have this weird thing nowadays that people do. But people will offend themselves on purpose. People will be like, <laughs> the Joe Rogan video, people are like, oh, man, look at this Joe Rogan video. And uh, it's, he says N-word a bunch of times. And I, I watched it, man. I was fucked up about it. But then you go on a YouTube video. The YouTube video is named Joe Rogan says N-word a bunch of times. It's like, so you saw the name of the thing, and then you clicked on it. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> How? Like, don't hear somebody's viewpoint and automatically get offended because you know going into it, it isn't in line with what you view. And I feel like if people legit talk to each other, instead of just going into conversations angry, we might learn something about one another. We just always like, it, it, it's like a, it's a wall, but you got people on this side, you got people on this side, and it's like a wall we built up to where you can't say nothing to, we can't talk no more. Comedy's always been the people that like, talked about things that you weren't supposed to talk about. Remember back in the day, you weren't supposed to talk about science? Like, you were not science. You, made, you weren't supposed to talk about religion and politics in public. What were the two of the things that comics <laughs> always talked about? You know, politics and religion. So it's like, you know, we, we are the gateway to, like, free conversation. Because it's, it's easier for somebody to take something in a joke than to me say something serious. Free speech, it's a... It's a it's a right, you know, and that sort of thing. But it's also, you know, it's a right under, under like government. It's not a right on Netflix. Um, so, uh, so I, I, I don't really necessarily think 
it's censorship um, when a bunch of people don't like something and, you know, would like to see different things. Um, and of course the problem is, is when we say we talk about the trans population, they're like less than 1% of the population um, in terms of like the big money being like, hey, let's get a big trans comic on here, it, and which will appeal to many people like Chappelle does or whatever. Um, but marginalized groups, they just have a harder time getting a foothold, especially in comedy in so many places. Um, but there's definitely a reason when you go to Mike's almost anywhere in the country, it's 75% white dudes, 25% everybody else. And whenever I bring up, you know, hey, I do stand-up comedy, like pretty much anyone who's not a white dude is like, oh, how is that? <laughs> um, it sounds like it would be terrible. <laughs> like, are you the only woman there who does it? Like people have this image, like overall of stand-up that it is sort of like a kind of gross, uh, sexist, racist um, uh, kind of thing. Whenever, whenever I travel and I happen to be like, with, you know, uh, on a show with a female producer, it's always like a question. They're like, so what's it like to be a, a woman in comedy? And I'm like, awful. And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, especially when I first started, because I was a little bit younger too. And like, um, yeah, such a boys club. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily like actively malicious sometimes it's just like it's all these dudes who have an easy time being friends with each other because they have the same opinions and things they like to do and talk about um and they're like oh who are you like you know some like girl nerd it is very difficult and I, a lot of people that I you know I've, I've met these people who like do a couple bikes and drop out pretty quick and most of them are like you know women or people from the queer community and they're just like it's really sh shitty to go into a space where it's just not just all white guys all white guys wearing like hats or something too it's just like you know or like you're on a show with more guys named Mike than women you know on it or whatever and it's it, and and you know when you're when you're just trying to do things it can be very very difficult to stay even like find a mentor people take you way less seriously people kind of are, are, are way more likely to shit on your comedy um, and, and, and belittle it and um, tokenize it and sort of just other it away to like, oh, you're only getting laughs because you're a woman saying that or whatever. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's really, it's really demoralizing, especially when you start to get more success. Um, when I was in New England, I used to, to joke with other comics about how like, um, I know I'm getting better because better and better male comedians are like shitting on me. <laughs> so I'm like, once the best male comics say I don't deserve this, and then I'll know I made it. But at the same time, a lot more women and queer people and all kinds of people are more involved in comedy, like here in Knoxville. Um, that's why I was so excited about starting Knoxville, like comedy in Knoxville here. I was just like, oh there's actually like women here and they do comedy and they produce shows and it's not, it's not as much of a boys club. It's, it's, I think much more about what we're already on the way towards is maybe focusing less on getting really mad at some famous comic who they're barely going to feel the consequences of it anyway. And kind of expanding the platform and uh giving voices to I've I've met so many great comics who I'm like these fuckers should have their Netflix special 
I asked Keith and Allie what role truth plays in comedy. What what really gets what really gets laughs and what really like kind of connects people is is being able to say things that in polite society aren't going to fly. Like even the case of dirty humor, you um, are kind of like picking out the sort of true things that that happen that either have happened to you or your perspective on them, and you're just kind of working it around to be. Um, expressed in a way that other people find true as well um, and that's that's kind of what gets really good laughs is that sort of laugh of recognition of like oh yeah <laughs> yeah I know what you're talking about it's a little bit of truth in every joke they say <laughs> a little bit of truth it's just how much you expound upon that truth you know how much fabrication you put in there how much you know to make the story better you know you lie a little bit to make a story that's all comedians do we tell the truth, but to make it really funny, we lie. Saying something that we all feel um, and saying it in the most brash and real way that, that you can. That would be a miracle if you made a joke where nobody got offended and everybody laughed. That would be, <laughs> that joke would be so powerful. It would literally bring the world together. That's what we need. That's what, that's what we're going to have to do. To stop this war in Russia and Ukraine, we're gonna have to find a comedian that is so funny. <laughs> we writing a movie now that is so funny that he can tell the joke that makes the makes the world stop fighting. Damn, he out there somewhere. He probably not gonna be doing comedy because it ain't no money. <laughs> if he's smart, he gonna be doing something else. <laughs> Hey, if anybody got like a funny ass dentist, he might be the person that's supposed to save the world. <laughs> Tell him to get his ass to an open mic. <laughs> Next time on Laughing Matters. I'm Jake Quilty Dunn. I'm an assistant professor in philosophy and philosophy and neuroscience psychology at Washington University in St. Louis. We'll talk with Professor Quilty Dunn, as well as Chicago comic Nina Kern, about truth in comedy and the role that stand-up comics play in society. Join us.